1: In the lowest valley, yes, I will bless your name, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy, oh.
2: In love.
0: dearly father lord we just thank you for an opportunity to come before you lord and to praise you we know that you are a god to be exalted in all circumstances lord so we pray that you would just move in our hearts today lord help us to feel your presence lord we know that you're a god of hope And you see all things and you move in great and mighty ways, Lord. So we lift our burdens to you this morning, Lord. And we rely on the hope that is found in the solid rock of Christ Jesus. We exalt your name and know that you are going to work on our behalf. Behind all things, Lord, there is a purpose. So we thank you again just for an opportunity to rejoice in a brand new day, Lord. To lift our hearts up to you, Lord. And we look forward to how you're going to move this morning, Lord. And just give us your heart, Lord. Give us your eyes. Calm our spirits, Lord, and help us to be in your presence, held in your hand, knowing that you are the hope of the world, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.
3: Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us today on SVCC Online. Mark is here just to give you a few updates. I'm coming at you from my house. In fact, I'm sitting in the nursery, the room that my daughter will be in. We are in the midst of just doing all the things pinterest right now deanna and i so we're just trying to figure out this space so please forgive the very bare bones uh, that is this room right now but anyway just wanted to share a few things if you are here for the first time viewing a south valley community church online service first of all thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do so we're so blessed that you can join us uh, hope that this is something that blesses your hearts and we are just so glad that you're here and for everyone, if you haven't done so already, please make sure that you follow us on our social media platforms. That's where a lot of our news gets shared and information and such. And so if you haven't done so, just go to our website, spcclamore.org And if you scroll down just a little bit, you'll see all the platforms that we have available between YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and whatnot. And so you'll make sure to want to do that for sure to stay informed. Also, Uh, just wanted to say thank you so much just for your hearts of generosity as you continue to give during this time. Uh, Giving is such a huge discipline in the Christian walk, uh, and it's such a great uh, display of faith and understanding that what we have, uh, we are merely stewards of those gifts. And so if you are part of the South Valley Community Church family, uh, we just want to continue to encourage you to, to give. Over the last few weeks, we've been able to see the fruits of that and hearing about How God has been at work in various ministries that we support. And so, thank you so much for doing so. If you are new to South Valley, if South Valley maybe isn't your church home, please don't feel compelled to give. This is just a practice that we have as a church family to be able to do so. So, uh, for those of us who uh, are church family at SVCC, just go to the website, svcclamore.org, and you can give your offering. Uh, through the donate button, or you can come by the church office and drop it through the door in our Safe Secure drop-off. Thank y'all so much for joining us. We are looking forward to seeing what the Lord has to say to us today, and we pray that your day is beautiful and blessed. Thank you so much. We'll see y'all soon.
4: Hello, South Valley family. I cannot begin to tell you how much I miss seeing each and every one of you Looking forward to this being over. Let's pray that it's soon, but until that time, we'll continue to worship the Lord in new and creative ways. A number of years ago, I believe it was 1996 actually, that's more than a number of years ago, I went to work one morning and feeling fine, no problems, but about mid-morning, I was about to leave the shop, go on a service call to Five Points, about an hour drive, and. I started feeling uh, a flutter in my heart, and then it felt like my heart was stopping. A little bit disconcerting, but I went ahead, left uh, in my service truck and drove out for about an hour and was working on a tractor. But every time I would get up and, and stand up, I would feel like a, a rush of dizziness. And then I kept feeling my heart stop and start and flutter, and it was just, it began to concern me. So I went ahead and finished the job and called my boss, said, hey, I'm gonna go home. And, and I, I went home and checked with Teresa and uh, we called a friend of ours who was a, a nurse uh, in our church and uh, she came over, checked my pulse, uh, checked, checked me, uh, my blood pressure and whatnot and she said, we need to get you to a doctor. <laughs> well now I'm getting a little more concerned and so I went to my doctor. They got me right in and he checked my pulse and his next question was, do you want me to call you an ambulance or are you gonna have your wife drive you to emergency in Hanford? I said, I'll save the $800 and uh, my wife drive me. I feel enough stress as it is. So anyway, I go over there and they check me out and they, they kind of gave me something that got everything back right, but of course then you have to go through the, the whole uh, checkup. And anyway, I was assigned to take a, a, a stress test with a particular heart doctor. And I don't know if you've ever taken a stress test uh, before, but if it was ever fun, uh, all of the fun has leaked out of that. Uh, no fun in a stress test. They they take you uh, they take your shirt off and then they put you all these little electrodes all over your front and your back and they put you on a treadmill and uh, begin to, to to you begin to walk and then it automatically picks up speed and picks up incline and of course then of course your man pride kicks in and you go I no way I'm going to ask them to stop or hit the stop button I am going to do this and drop dead of a heart attack. Or they're going to finally call it off and recognize that I'm about to die of a heart attack. Anyway, went through this stress test and, and got it all taken care of. And turns out it was everything was fine. I was just, I think I was having a reaction to too much caffeine, too much coffee in my diet. So I tell you that story because I thought about that this week, and it, it, I think right now God's people are involved in, in, in a stress test. Um, God is checking your heart. Checking my heart. How are you doing in these very stressful times that we're living in? It's a stress test, isn't it? Uh, US News and World Report had an article several years ago about the mental stress that's in our nation today. There's a quote in that article from Dr. Randall Marshall, who is a director of the trauma studies in New York Psychiatric Institute. And here's what he said quote, we are having powerful and disabling problems. We are seeing a relapse in panic, in depression, and in psychosis, end quote. Well, folks, if that was true several years ago, how much more (laughs) is it true today? Things have only gotten worse in the first half here of 2020. And unfortunately, followers of the Lord Jesus Christ really aren't much better at managing their stress than those who have no relationship with Him at all. I think we all need a stress reduction day. I read the story of a a, a man who came home uh, from work one day to find his home in absolute chaos. His three kids were safe, but they were outside playing in their pajamas. They were in the mud. Uh, There were containers in the front yard and food containers just strewn all over the place. The front door was wide open, air conditioner running full bore. And he went in the house deeply worried that he was going to find his wife ill or or in some kind of danger. And when he went in, he found the, the downstairs television on almost full blast. The family room was in mayhem toys clothing scattered all over the floor. In the kitchen, there were dishes, breakfast food all over the counters, dog food, broken glass under the table. He quickly ran upstairs, jumping over all kinds of toys, and he runs into the bedroom, and remarkably, there is his wife laying in bed, covered up, relaxed, reading book. He's relieved, of course, and he says, what what happened here today? And she said to her husband with a peaceful smile, she said, you know how every day when you come home and you ask me, what on earth did I do today? He goes, yeah. She says, well today I didn't do it. (laughs) Well that's one way to reduce stress at least for a day. Uh, One man put it this way, if you're not absolutely distressed or depressed over the situation our world is in, you just aren't seeing things clearly. Listen, folks, I know our world is in, in increasing chaos. I know that. Our beloved nation has lost its spiritual and moral moorings upon which it was founded. I know the national debt is out of control. I know the traditional family, as God designed it to be, has been under attack for decades. I know the economy is about to collapse. But I also know that Jesus said in John 16, that in this world we would have Tribulation. You're going to have problems. But he also said in that very same verse that in Him we could have peace. And then he says, be of good cheer because I have overcome. Now if we could just hold on to that and just get the reality of that. Can I really have good cheer? Can I really have good cheer in the midst of everything that's going on in our world? Now, if you need to pause the video right now and go find your Bibles, do that. Uh, I will be glad to wait for you. Go ahead and do that. I want you to have a Bible. Okay, you're back. Somebody once said that a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to somebody who isn't. I think there's a lot of truth in that, that statement. I want you to take your Bible now and open it. To Psalm 37, we're going to be looking at Psalm 37 today and also next Sunday. Are you there? Psalm 37 beginning in verse 1, underline the first three words, do not fret. Do not fret because of evildoers. No shortage of those in the land today, nor be envious of the workers' iniquity, of iniquity. No shortage of those either. For they shall soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for Him. Do not fret, underline that, because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass cease from anger, forsake wrath, do not fret. Underline that again. Because it only causes harm. Now three times in those eight verses we are commanded to not fret. The Bible commands us to not fret but most Americans and not a few believers in the Lord Jesus Christ fret. Folks, God's people right now, whether we know it or not, we're involved in a stress test. God is checking your heart and how well you live out your faith in Him during a season of time that we have never experienced before in our lives. How are you doing? How are you doing at that? Let's take a little test. How many of you like tests? Me neither. But let's take a little test. Let me ask you a question. Do you believe God is sovereign? In other words, do you believe that God is absolutely and totally in control of the universe and everything on this planet? Now, I'm going to assume that there was a chorus of yeses to that question. I I have to believe that if you're calling Jesus Lord, that you believe in the sovereignty of God, the absolute power, total control of everything. You believe that because Jesus himself said it in Matthew 28, all power and authority is given to me. Jesus himself said, I'm sovereign. All power, all authority is given to me. So yes, you should believe that God is absolutely in total control. So let's add to our test. I am going to read through a passage of scripture that you're probably hearing a lot of today. You're not going to like it. If you're like most people, you're not going to like this passage of Scripture. That's okay. Let the Word of God speak and see how you're doing. Okay? Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, very clear. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Oh, I can almost hear the moans right now through your, through your watching this. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. I know you don't particularly care where I'm going with this. Let's keep reading. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the not the authority, but what? The, the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. For he, that is, the authorities that exist, is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for the sake of your conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing." Now I want you to notice, no less than three times those who are in authority, those governing authorities are referred to as God's ministers. Yeah, I don't like this either. But think about this. In these verses that the Apostle Paul wrote, there are no qualifications tied to these verses. I mean, it doesn't say or even imply that our being subject to the governing authorities is contingent upon them doing everything the way we think it should be done. It's just not there. And I would remind you, When Paul wrote this, Nero was the ruler of the Roman Empire. If you don't know about Nero, this is the man who had his own mother assassinated five years into his rule. God appointed him, yeah, according to the scriptures there is no authority except what are appointed by God. Let me give you another illustration. You go all the way back to the Old Testament, Nebuchadnezzar, he attacks the two southern tribes, takes them captive. Eventually Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom, the Babylonian Empire, falls to the Medo-Persian Empire, a man by the name of Cyrus, eventually takes the throne of the Medo-Persian Empire. God says this about a pagan Medo-Persian king. Here's what God says about Cyrus. In Isaiah 44:28, 28, he says, he, that is Cyrus, is my shepherd. And then in the very next verse, he says about him that he is my anointed. Really? A pagan king is his shepherd, his anointed? Yeah. God moved the heart of a pagan king To make a decree in writing allowing the Jews that had been held in captivity to go back to Israel and begin to rebuild Jerusalem. Here's a passage of scripture for you. Write this down in the the margin, in the margin of Romans 13. Write this down, Proverbs 21, verse 1. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Like rivers of water, he turns it wherever he wishes. Is God sovereign? Is God sovereign even over the governments of the world? Absolutely. David, another illustration. David was anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king of Israel. The first king, Saul, had violated God's clear word. God rejected him, Samuel goes and anoints David, but it didn't happen immediately. It would happen in days or years following this. But there came a time where Saul grew very envious of David and began to try to kill him, thought David was going to usurp the throne. And so he takes some of his soldiers and he goes on a manhunt. Well, David is, is a fugitive from the king and David is hiding in a cave with his men. and Saul, the Bible says, goes into this cave to take care of his needs. Uh, basically one version says he goes in to relieve himself. He takes off his robe, he lays it aside. David is hiding in that cave. See, Saul and his men say, "Look, the Lord's given him into your hand. Go get him now. And David, doesn't do that but David goes and cuts a piece of his robe off. And then when Saul leaves the cave, David's heart is smitten because he had cut that piece of the robe off. That was a very disrespectful thing to do to the king. And David told his men, I will not lift my hand against the Lord's anointed. Here was a man who was bent on killing David But David would not lift his hand against the Lord's anointed, and even felt convicted when he cut off a piece of his garment, which was a sign of disrespect for the man that God had appointed as king. Jesus stands before Pontius Pilate, won't even speak. He gets asked questions. He won't even speak. And Pilate kind of marvels at this. And Pilate says this to Jesus in, in John chapter 19. Pilate says to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and the power to release you? And Jesus answered, I love this. You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. So folks, it's clearly evident in Scripture that whether it's a godly king like David or a pagan king like Cyrus or a Roman governor Pontius Pilate, they are placed there and they are given their authority by none other than God himself. And you don't like that and <laughs> I have to admit I struggle with that too. But if you say you believe in the sovereignty of God, then the scriptures are clear that God is doing the appointing. Here's another test. Let's take it a step further. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. Therefore Paul writes, "I exhort first of all That supplications, prayers, intercessions, and the giving of thanks be made for all men, here it is, for kings and all who are in authority. Why should we do this? That we may lead quiet, peaceable lives in all godliness and reverence. Now unless I miss my guess, we probably criticize our governmental leaders more than we intercede for them. That's just a guess, but based on things I hear, I'm pretty sure that's true. So let me ask you again, how are you doing on this, during this stress test? How is your heart checking out right now? Are you resisting what I'm saying? Or more importantly, what God's Word is clearly saying? Are you given more to complaining about where we are as a nation? rather than to pray to the sovereign God to move the hearts of those in authority in this land. Frankly, we might be in the very condition we're in because church people, Christian people, have not really been praying for people of authority in this land. Listen, we've been mandated to do things that inconvenience us, that frustrates us. But so far, as far as I can tell, none of us have been asked to violate clear mandates of God's word. We can still worship, just not at a building we prefer. And believe me when I tell you, nobody wants the doors to South Valley open more than the staff does more than me especially I miss you folks and I mean that with all my heart but folks we can still worship we can still serve our Lord and King we just have to be creative as to how that fleshes out but there's no lack of opportunities to serve Jesus even if it's on our knees making prayers and supplication with Thanksgiving for all men and the kings and all of those in authority. That's a service that we render unto our God. Nobody has mandated that we can't openly share our faith in Christ. So are you? Do we, do we like what's going on? <laughs> I felt like using an expletive, but no, I won't. <laughs> no. Absolutely no. Don't like what's going on. Do you believe and do I believe all of the hype that the media is pumping out? Of course not. But are you willing to submit to the sovereign hand of Almighty God and stop fretting about the things that inconvenience your life and that, frankly, you cannot change? Now, some of you right now are saying, Pastor Frank is a pacifist. I'm not a pacifist, not in the least. A week ago, last Saturday, I sat four hours in a CCW renewal class. Folks, I'm not a pacifist. But my king and my allegiance is to him before it is to anything else. And so what he says has to trump Trump or whoever else is on the throne. I have to be bound to my conscience and say, if God says he's sovereign and in control, then folks, I can take his command to not fret when there are evildoers and there are workers of iniquity in our land working overtime. I don't have to fret. I don't have to worry. And our Lord often warned against worrying and fretting, didn't he? Folks, the best thing that you can say about worry is that it's useless. It's useless. Jesus said this, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? To paraphrase that, which of you have, which of you have grown taller because of all the worrying you're doing? It's the most useless thing around, and you don't gain anything by it. Contrary to what one lady said when she said, don't tell me worrying does no good because most of the things I worry about never happen. (laughs) Jesus said in in chapter 6, verse 34, He said, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. How many of you are worried about tomorrow? How many of you are fretting about tomorrow? He says, sufficient for today, for the day is its own trouble. There's enough trouble going around. Jesus is saying, there's trouble, there's no denying it. But don't worry about it. But if fretting and worrying were simply useless and only useless, then we wouldn't be so concerned about it. But it's harmful, isn't it? Look again down in your Bibles at verse 8. Do not fret. It only causes harm. I looked up the definition to the word fret, two definitions, it means to be constantly or visibly worried or anxious. But another definition is this, to gradually wear away something by rubbing or gnawing, form a channel or passage by rubbing or wearing away. A number of years ago, about seven, eight years ago, uh, one of our family members here at church asked me to come by his home. And he was he wanted to give me some of his tools that he had had since he was a young man. He was at a at, at a place in his life where he was no longer able to use them. And he gave me this wonderful drill press. I had a small one, but he gave me this drill press. And I go, man, that, what a wonderful thing. And I just, so appreciative. And I took it home and from the first time I turned it on, it had this, this vibration kind of rattle to it. That's okay, it worked fine. It was a little bit noisy, but that was fine. Well last week, and I've had this thing, I don't know, seven or eight years. Last week, I'm at the drill press and I'm pulling the lever down and I'm holding my steel in this hand and I'm drilling and my drill bit gets caught and it stops so I need to reach over and turn it off. So I reached across myself to get to the switch and when I did, I laid my hand across this small L bracket that was on there for some reason unknown. I'd never even really noticed it. And when I touched that bracket, it got quiet or quieter. And so I took my hand off of it, and the vibration noise started. I put my hand on it and, it, and it quit. So I turned the thing off, and I took two screws out, and it's quiet. Been putting up with that for years. But what I noticed is I looked at it, where it had been, where it had been vibrating, it had started wearing a groove in the guard. The, 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 the belt drive guard had a notch war in it from years of that thing just vibrating at a real high pitch. That's what worrying does. It, it, it's, not gonna, it's not gonna harm you in a day, but it's gonna gnaw at you. It's gonna, listen, fretting is gonna do the same thing to you that, 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 that sand will do in machinery. It's gonna do the same thing that that little piece of flat bar did to my, my drill press guard. It's gonna wear, wear things out. It'll take the blue out of your sky, folks. It'll take the joy out of your heart your life song will be played out of tune. Have you ever thought about what fretting does to you? There are few things as debilitating as just being engulfed in worrying about every little thing. But folks, not only does fretting harm you, but it harms others. I mean, there are just people who go around worrying about everything, spreading gloom and doom. If you're like me, you you know people who can brighten up a room just by leaving it, right? (laughs) Their life song is straight out of that old show, Hee Haw. My dad loved that show. I never got it when I was a kid. Gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, and excessive misery. You know some folks like that. They just worry and fret, and everything gets them down. But have you ever considered how our fretting just might affect our Lord. I mean, suppose you, you come home and, and, and you, your, your, your children, uh, when they're little, when they're, little they're, they're over in the corner whining and, and, and trembling and you say, hey kids, what's, what's wrong? Well, mom or, or dad, uh, we're, we're afraid we're not going to have food to eat tomorrow. and I'm worried that, that I'm not going to have a bed to sleep in and, and I'm really worried that I won't have clothes to wear. Now you've been working and you've been providing and you've been protecting. How is that going to make you feel as a father or as a mother, as a provider, as a protector, to have your children fretting because they evidently think that you're not capable of taking care of them? Well, now I know that, that we're only human and that, that analogy falls apart because as much as we hate to think about it, there could be a point where providing for them may not be possible. But what an insult What an insult it is to God. When we say to the Father, I don't believe that you're sovereign and in control. I'm fretting over the condition of our country. I'm fretting over the condition of my finances. I'm fretting over all these things. And essentially what you're saying to the Father is, I don't believe you'll protect. I don't believe you'll provide. I don't like what's going on. And I want you to fix it right away. Listen it must be an insult to him. Look down at verse 25. 25 Psalm 37, 25. Here's what, here's what David, David said, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. God takes care of you. God's word says, Three times in eight verses, don't fret. But wouldn't you agree that's easier said than done? But think about this, folks. God never commands us to do or not to do something without supplying the means to accomplish what he has commanded. Right? Let me say that again. God doesn't command his children to do or not do something without supplying the means to accomplish what he's commanded. We have the command, therefore, we have the resources and the power to live fretless, for lack of a better way to put it. Now, listen, I'm not talking about the subtraction of problems. Jesus himself said, In this world, you're going to have tribulation. I get it. We're going to have problems. I'm not talking about subtracting problems. What I'm talking about is the addition of something, the addition of power. You're going to have troubles, you're going to have hardships, but Jesus said, Be of good cheer. Now, that's just a positive way of saying don't fret, right? And then he says, I've overcome the world. I'm the victor here. You're not looking for victory from some governmental authority, are you? You're not going to find it. I'm the one who's overcome the world. And in these eight verses of Psalm 37, folks, there are four commands. And I want want God's word to just settle these in your heart. Because some of you guys are are very frustrated and angry from all of the worrying and all of the stress. and, and, And because things aren't going your way, you're beginning to lash out. And I want, as Colossians 3.16 says, I want the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. And I hope you'll let that happen as we look at Psalm 37. How to go from, from, from stressed to blessed. Point number one. Trust in the Lord when resources vanish. Trust in the Lord when resources vanish verse 3 again trust in the Lord and do good dwell on the land and feed on his faithfulness the word trust is a Hebrew word that literally has as one of its root m- meanings the idea of being face down on the ground with no visible means of support you know this being faced down on the ground is one of the most vulnerable positions that we could ever find ourselves in. I mean, folks, sometimes life just pulls the rug out from under us and we go down. A financial or an emotional crisis knocks us to the ground. A pandemic, whether it's real or imagined hits the world, and it's like pulling the rug out from us. We find ourselves face down in an adverse situation. And instead of trusting God, we start looking for options to fix our situation immediately. There's got to be a way to correct this and get things back to the way I'm comfortable with them being. But folks, I want to say this to you, and I hope you'll listen to what I'm saying, because it's true. Sometimes God puts us In a place where we don't have any options except to trust Him. Sometimes He puts us in a place where we don't have any options except to trust Him. David said this in Psalm 119 verse 71, It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn your statutes. David learned to trust God's Word by going through hardships, by going through difficulties, by enduring a stress test. He said, it was good for me to go through that stress test because having gone through that, it it taught me things about you and your Word that I I would not have known otherwise. That's how God taught Israel to trust when God was bringing the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt into the promised land, Exodus 13, 17 says that when God brought them out, that He did not take them by the way of the Philistines, though that was near, lest they see war and opt out to go back to Egypt. God wanted to bring them to a place where there really was not an option other than to do what He said, He leads them then into this sort of a cul-de-sac. The Bible says there there were mountains to both sides of them. Moses led them right to the edge of the Red Sea, mountains on both sides. And now the Pharaoh who let them go has changed his mind and he's in hot pursuit with his army and his horses and his chariots. And there's this cloud of dust trailing behind the children of Israel. And God tells Moses, Take the children of Israel, speak to them, and go forward. And folks, that's exactly what they did. God opened up Riverbed Boulevard and led them through. But now think about this for a moment. Imagine them there at that point without the Pharaoh's army. What would they do? God said, go forward. Well, no. We're not going mountain climbing. We're certainly, you know, we can't go across the water. We'll wait for a bridge or a boat, God. We're looking for better alternatives than the way you're leading. I don't don't like the way you're leading right now in our country, God. I don't like the people in charge. I don't like what's happening. I'm looking for better options. No. God says, go forward. There are times... When we don't have any options, we don't have any alternatives, we just simply have to trust a sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing, completely wise, completely loving Father. The Apostle Paul, he learned about trusting the Lord. Paul is imprisoned in Rome, possibly waiting a death sentence. And so he's taking that time while he's waiting for the the trial and the sentence to come down, and he writes some letters. And he writes to to the Philippian believers. And in Philippians 4, beginning in verse 11, Paul says, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. And of course, I like to always add Paul obviously never lived in California. Whatever state he's in, it wasn't the state of California. But he says this, I know how to be abased, I know how to abound, everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Paul said, I've learned to be content. How do you, are you content?" Be honest with yourself. Right now you're shaking your head no, probably saying a few choice words no. (laughs) How can we be content? The the, the Greek word used here means to be self-contained, not dependent upon any other resource except what I have on the the inside. Now I I didn't say Paul was self-sufficient, I said he's self-contained. And in the next verse that's obvious. Verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And Paul said, I've learned this. This is something he had to go to school for. He had to go to school and endure some stress tests to learn this. How did he get this kind of trust in God? By reading a book? No. He didn't get this kind of trust by listening to a sermon any more than you will learn it by listening to this message. How do you learn this kind of trust, folks? How do you do that? You learn it when you're hemmed in at the Red Sea and you're out of options. You learn it when you're in prison and chained to a Roman soldier. You learn it when you feel the world you grew up in is changing for the worse and there's nothing that you seem to can do about it, but trust. There comes those times when we have nowhere to go except to the Lord. But folks, listen to me carefully. When you learn that Jesus is all you have, you'll learn that Jesus is enough. Paul is saying, I can do all things through Christ. He is simply saying, Jesus is all I need. I don't need to fret. I don't need to worry. Now look at verse 3 of Psalm 37 again. I love this, trust in the Lord and do good. What that is, that is a a way of countering what he said, don't fret in verse 1 over evildoers and over workers of iniquity. There are people who are working for the demise of our nation, no question. So what am I going to do? Am I going to do evil and become hateful and become vengeful and write ugly letters? And Am I going to protest and riot? No, trust in the Lord and do good. Now more often than not when people fret and worry they tend to either close down, just sort of check out, kind of withdraw, or they become angry and frustrated and belligerent and they lash out. I know this is the case because I've gotten the text messages and I've gotten the phone calls and just today I was, it was implied that I have no backbone. That's just not true. But that's how people respond. But he says here, trust in the Lord and do good. Don't add to the problems by becoming hateful and vengeful and belligerent and arrogant and angry, no. That doesn't, all he does, and he said in verse 8, when you you fret, it only does harm. Relationships have been harmed because because so many people are lashing out at one another. And ironically, those who've been the recipients of the wonderful grace of God become the most graceless when things are not done according to their liking. They stop trusting and they start lashing out. Listen, David says, trust in the Lord and do good. Think about it. When facing stressful times you can fret and worry and in frustration lasts out at others or you can take the Red Sea option and trust God in the midst of the trouble and choose to do good. That's the best function. Stay active in serving our Lord. That's not being mandated against. Worshiping the Lord has not been mandated against. Sit around and fret? No way. Go out and do good, trust in the Lord, do good, don't close down, don't withdraw, don't become frustrated, don't lash out, God's command, not suggestion, is don't fret. You ever thought about how many times the Bible tells us that God will meet our needs? He says, trust in the Lord and do good, look at this, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness let me ask you a question what are you regularly feeding your mind on these days all of the negative media sludge that's pumped into our living rooms all of the facebook posts that criticize the way pastors are leading or not leading are you feeding your mind on those things David tells us to feed our minds on God's faithfulness. Get your mind back where it needs to be. God is the one who's in charge. God is sovereign and God is absolutely faithful. Focus on that. Feed on his faithfulness. David tells us to feed our minds on that. God hasn't lost control, he is still on the throne. And folks, when resources vanish, take the Red Sea option, and trust His faithfulness to make a way. Over and over again, the Bible tells us He's going to take care of us. Here is a great stress reduction principle. Write this down. Matthew six thirty-three. Here is your stress reduction for the day. This is going to help you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added to you. In other words, don't put things first, put God first. Make God your first choice, not your last chance. Now why does Jesus say that? Why does he say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you? Why does he say that? So we can have provision? Are we to seek the kingdom of first so we can have provision? Is that what he's saying? No, that's not what he's saying. You probably have food and clothing if you didn't trust the Lord. Most people have food. Most people have clothes. Most people have a house to live in, and and they don't trust the Lord. That's not what Jesus is saying. Why is God telling you and I, his children, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Well, Jesus gives us the answer. There's no reason to guess at it. That's a test. For stress, here's the answer, it's so you won't be like unbelievers. He says, because after these things do the Gentiles seek. That's what occupies the minds of the lost. That's what they're thinking about night and day. Jesus says, listen, you trust me. You let me take care of those things so you can serve me. And this is essentially what David is saying in Psalm 37, isn't it? Trust God, do good. Rest your otherwise fretful life in his faithfulness. Paul said, I have learned. I've learned in whatever state I am therewith to be content. This stress test is testing you on that very thing, isn't it? Because there are evildoers, there are those who are working iniquity in our land. There is no question about it. How are you handling it? Have you become so critical that you're losing your sweet spirit of Christ? God is giving His people a stress test, folks. How's your heart these days? I I know some of the props that have supported your walk with Jesus have been removed for the time being. You've been inconvenienced to say the least. You're having to be creative in regards to your times of worship. You're having to be intentional about your own spiritual growth and health. So watch what you feed your mind on. Psalm 37, verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Look at verse 2. For they shall soon be cut down like grass, And wither as the green herb. In other words, David is saying, relax, God's got this. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land. Feed on His faithfulness. Folks, that is one of the commands found here in Psalm 37. I know it was a tough message to swallow. It was a tough one to study. But folks... There are three more commands that are going to encourage your heart. And we're going to look at those next week. Father, right now, I pray that your spirit is just melting the hearts of the, the frustrated. Those who have become so worried and agitated and critical. That, Father, they would, by the grace of God, find your grace sufficient and then become gracious themselves. We're in this together. Your people don't need to to take pop shots at one another. We're in this together, Father. May we find you to be sufficient for all of our needs. May we lean on your faithfulness during this crazy time. For God, we believe you're on the throne and nothing that's transpired in the last five or six months has surprised you at all and so it's with confidence and it's with joy that we face tomorrow because like it or not it is a day Lord that you have made therefore we will rejoice and will be glad in that day we ask these things In Christ's name, amen. May the Lord bless you. I hope you have a good and godly week. Please join me next week for part two of Too Blessed to be Stressed. God bless you.